All right, good morning. How are you? So good, good to see you. You can talk back in church. This is not a church where we're quiet. It's okay to be loud, talk back, don't fuss, don't cuss, but talk back, all right? Is that good? <laughs> so good to welcome to church. If it's your first time to New Life Church, welcome. We're glad you're here. We really are glad when new people come and try out the church. I know it's intimidating sometimes to come in the big building, the big blue building, it looks like a Walmart Supercenter, but we're glad you're here. I, I promise you, if you will just hang out for a little while, you're going to find 98% of the people here are really, really kind, really sweet. And we're working on the other 2% really hard. We're just really working on them. But the most everyone's really nice here. So we're glad to have you. If you're watching online, can we just, there are people in our correctional facilities watching live right now. And I know Glenn mentioned that. Can we just say hello and we're praying for you. Welcome. We're glad that you're here, all of you that are watching. The reason I mentioned the correctional facilities, we had, I had a young man walk up to me after the service last week and he has just been released about two months ago. He found New Life Church through a friend, but he does remember the services being broadcast through all the state correctional facilities. And so we're making an impact in people's lives. And, I, and he, in fact, he's going to be baptized next Sunday. And I'm so grateful for that. So I wanna remind you that if you've never been a part of a New Life Water Baptism Sunday, it is a wild and raucous party. I'm just telling you, it is so much fun to be water baptized at New Life Church. And if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, wholeheartedly, unashamedly follow Jesus, your next step is to be obedient and go into the waters of baptism. And we want you next Sunday, so you bring, we have a t-shirt for you, a towel for you, but you need to bring a change of clothes and come ready, tell your friends and family that you wanna go public with your decision to follow Jesus. Now, I also want to, uh, last week, another lady walked up to me, she was 60 years old. She said, Pastor Brady, when I was baptized, I was a little girl, it meant something to my family, it was certainly meaningful to me. She said, but really, I've decided to follow Jesus as an adult, and now I wanna take the next step. She says, it's okay to be baptized twice. I said, listen, if you need to be baptized a dozen times, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, we, it, it's, it's, it, obviously we want it, the first time to be the right time and the real time, but hey, if you need to be baptized again, it's, there's no shame in that. No embarrassment about saying, hey, you know what? It, I need to be obedient and go into the waters of baptism. So we want you to come and be ready for that. And that's you, I promise you, there's no judgment for grownups getting baptized. And if you're 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old, if you haven't been water baptized, do it next Sunday, okay? All right, that's a, the best commercial I can give you right there, right, free of charge. All right, turn to the book of Galatians. We're in chapter six, the final chapter. So we'll have, I'm preaching this Sunday and I'm preaching next Sunday on chapter six. So read chapter six with me. And this is the culmination of everything Paul has said. Paul has been pleading, begging, the people in Galatia to return back to the gospel of Jesus. Paul has been pleading with us through these first five chapters that Jesus is enough. We just proclaim that. Jesus, you are the center. You're on the throne. Jesus, you are enough. And something fascinating happens when your worship and your affection and your attention centers on Jesus. Let me tell you what happens. What happens is you start caring deeply about the things that Jesus cares deeply about. 
everything changes when you make Jesus the center. When Jesus is your focus, when you truly begin walking alongside Jesus, reading what Jesus taught, listening to the voice of Jesus, you fall deeply in love with the things that Jesus is already deeply in love with. So I wanna pray, let's pray together. I'm praying today for changed hearts. I'm praying today that God would awaken a call that's been on this church from the day one. Our church is 37 years old, I think this year, 36 years old. What is it, 36, 37? Somewhere, we're in our 30s, okay? Let's just put it that way. We're becoming a middle-aged church. And I want to make sure that we keep our focus on the thing that Jesus did from day one here. You know why we're called New Life Church? Is because we believe that lives can become new because of Jesus. That when people find Jesus, they find a new life. And so I wanna pray that that would awaken in us, stir up in us. Would you do that with me? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we open these scriptures and we give you permission by the power of your Holy Spirit to challenge us, to convict us, to shape us, to strengthen us, to do holy work in us. And we ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen? We're gonna to talk today about what to do with people when they want to come back. How do we allow people, how do we respond to people who want to return to church and come back into the body of faith? Paul talks about this in Galatians 1, verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1. He says, brethren and cistern, if a, I added that, if a, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, any sin, big, small, in between, you who are spiritual, in other words, the grown-ups in the room, the people of mature faith, people who make Jesus the center, you who are spiritual, restore these broken, messy people in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, because you might mess up as well. You may also be tempted. And bear one another's burdens. I like that idea. Think of yourself under a yoke with someone. Like you have, you have some weight that you're sharing. You, you have something on your shoulder, and the person next to you has something on their shoulder, and together you're carrying something together. This is the image. You say, bear one another, take some weight on. Don't be so comfortable. Make sure that you're carrying burdens. He says, so and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, if you want to act like Jesus, look like Jesus, behave like Jesus, you're going to get into the habit of restoring people gently back into the church. For if anyone thinks of himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. In other words, don't be so cocky, prideful, arrogant that you would not, of course, be a sinner like these people. Verse four, but let each one examine his own work. And this is what we do, by the way, on Sundays. We come into this room and we sit together, but collectively, but at the end of the day, I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit examine you. Before we judge the world, before we judge the behaviors of other people, we must first hold a mirror up to our own soul. So let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. And here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying you're going to live in a broken world and people will mess up. I don't know if you know this or not, but sinners sin. I don't know if you know this or not, but people who are far away from God 
act like they are far away from God. Why are we so stunned by all this? I mean, people look out in the world and go, I can't believe the sin that's happening. Well, listen, sinners sin. Broken people act broken. Hurt people hurt people. People that are not following Jesus don't act like Jesus. Are you, are you catching this today? People will mess up. And at some point in their lives, here's what we're praying though. At some point, and this is already happening. In fact, this morning, there are people sitting in this room right now who came to church for the first time in a long time. We say, well, Pastor Brady, how do you know that? Did you interview everyone that came in? No, this week, all week long, the Lord has prompted me to pray for you. If you're sitting here today and this is the first time you've been back to church in a really long time, maybe you've been away from church, I just want you to know I have prayed over you all week long that when you walk into this room that you would feel extremely welcomed and embraced, that you would feel the love and the grace and the goodness of Jesus and that you would find a place to belong in the family of God. I have prayed that over you all week. Now, I promise that's what's happening. You see, New Life Church, we need to make a decision right now before I go any further. And I'm asking you to make this decision right now. Usually I say, hey, go home and think about it. But I'm asking you, calling you to a decision right now. Will we, here's two choices that we need to make, and I'm asking you to choose right now. Do we want to be a museum for the saints or a hospital for sinners? I want us to decide right now because it's gonna affect the way I preach the rest of this message. I, want, I have no interest in being a country club or a museum for, for, for church people. I have a huge interest to be a hospital for broken people. In fact, I am, would not be your pastor today if it had not been for a little church in North Louisiana that allowed a really messy, broken, rebellious, prodigal teenager to come home. I found my way back home and now I am your pastor and therefore I am going to be a place where prodigals, broken, the messy, the people who are just been devastated by the world, can they come to New Life Church and find a home? That's the question we have to answer. Let me just tell you, I know you're clapping and I appreciate that. I'm so, I'm thankful that you, you clapped and didn't boo, okay? I appreciate that. We're off to a good start. But you woke up in a comfortable home this morning. You are probably slept on a comfortable mattress last night with a down comforter wrapped around you on a really nice pillow in a home that had central heating. You ate a warm breakfast probably and you drank hot coffee this morning and you got in a car that was comfortable and you drove on paved streets to a paved parking lot and you came into a very clean, sterile, nice, beautiful lobby and now you're sitting in a very nice, comfortable chair and you just listen to world-class worship and you're getting an above average sermon. I'm just asking you, I'm asking you, if in your completely comfortable existence, which I appreciate comfort as much as you do, in our comfortable world where we worship comfort, 
Are you okay on a Sunday that may be coming soon that you look down your comfortable aisle and there is someone sitting there who doesn't look like you, who doesn't talk like you, who doesn't smell like you, who doesn't, who may need you? Because that's when the rubber hits the road. It's one thing to say, Pastor Brady, we want to be a hospital for sinners until the patients show up. I'm asking you a question this morning. People are about to return to the church and they're going to be broken and messy. And they're coming with a repentant heart. God is the one that calls people to repentance. You know that, right? I can't, I can't call you, I can tell you about repentance. I can challenge you to repent, but it's only by the work of the Holy Spirit that anyone's heart repents and changes. But when that repentance happens, so first of all, let me just pause for a minute and answer the question, because some of you may have this question, what is repentance? It's very simple. It's when someone is walking toward death and they are walking a path that's leading them to destruction and somewhere along the way, by the power of the Spirit, their eyes are open, their heart becomes awakened and alive to what God is up to in their lives and they turn like this and they start walking in another direction. Now, when they start walking in that other direction, how will we respond when they walk into this place? What happens when they walk into your life? Because repentance is to return to God with heart and soul. And when people start returning to God, they're going to have a desire to hang around God's people. And that's where the problem starts. But we have to remember that all spiritual advances, we need to welcome and celebrate when someone repents. Because all spiritual advances in your life, in their life, in my life, all spiritual advances begin with turning away from what's hindering our obedience. That's all this is. It's turning away from what's hindering us to obey. Obey what God's called us to do. He's calling us to life. So as a church, we should encourage every act, every act of repentance and make it easy to come home. This is home. This is where the people of God meet on Sunday morning. This is where sinners and saints collide. This is where we're all together. So what kind of home do we want, New Life Church? Will we be a home that welcomes those people, embraces those people, or will we be a people who stand on their front porch and with our arms folded, waiting for them to behave correctly before we'll be their friend. Let me tell, show you this story because that's exactly what happened in Luke 15. In the story of the good, the prodigal son, Jesus tells this fascinating parable about a father who had two boys. <clears throat> the older boy that followed all the rules and a younger boy that was a bit of a, a rebel, the Brady boy. He was the Brady boy of the group right there. That, and I, I, can, I can totally associate with the younger son, a punk, he's arrogant, he's cocky. And he says to his dad, basically, dad, give me all the money that's, that's mine. I'm not gonna wait around for you to die. I'm gonna go live my own life. I'm not gonna be around to help you when you're an old man. I don't want anything to do with his family. Dad is brokenhearted and reluctantly gives his son the money. And the son goes off into a foreign land and wastes it all. We don't know exactly what he did, but he, does, he ends up broke and he's poor. Now he's spent all of his money. No friends, no family, no money. Some of you have been there. No friends, no family, no money. 
And he finds the only job that he can find feeding pigs on a farm. And for a kosher Jewish boy, that is the worst place to be, feeding pigs on a farm. But suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit overshadows him and his eyes come alive and he says to himself, it is better for me to go back to my dad's house. At least there I could be like one of the hired men, but I know dad would take me back. So he gets up and he starts walking back home. Now, when he gets home, he gets within eye distance of the home. He has this rehearsed speech that he's ready to give his dad. To his surprise, the father sees the son and runs toward him. And when he gets to the son, instead of rebuking him and embarrassing him and shaming him, the father wraps his arms around the son and says, this is my son. I thought he was dead, but he is alive. Come on, let's throw a party. And they kill the fatted calf and they hook up the Traeger and they smoked some meat. It's a good Sunday. It's a good day to be there. Now the problem was there was an older son. The older son, it says in Luke 15, verse 28, the older brother became angry and he refused to go in and celebrate the arrival of his younger brother. So his father went out and pleaded with him. This is what I'm doing today in New Life Church. I'm pleading with you to be the dad and not the older son. Because everybody loves the idea of, a, of an emergency room until emergencies happen. And it says, he answered to his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. First of all, if you're slaving to get God's approval, you're doing it wrong. You should be enjoying your time with the Father in heaven. If you feel like you're in a constant struggle to get God's attention and grace, then you're doing it wrong already. And you'll never be gracious to other people until you're gracious with yourself. Until you receive grace, you can't give grace away. So I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. And I love this, see that you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Because see, there was a, there was a, 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 a kind of a, a sliding scale of celebration in, the, in this culture. Goats were like eating chicken, but kill the fatted calf was like Christmas morning. Chicken was like the Sunday afternoon every week meal. A goat, that's what we eat every week. But when you kill the fatted calf, it is something special happening. So you didn't even give me, and he says, and when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, when he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Here's a couple of, there's about a hundred problems with this conversation. Let me just show a couple for us today to consider. Number one, he believed the worst about his brother. He believed the worst. You know that nowhere else in this story had the old, younger son been accused of hanging out with prostitutes? Nowhere is that told. He had just assumed that. You see, we assume the worst about people different than us. <clears throat> when they're not in our tribe, when they don't vote the same as us, when they live in that other neighborhood, we just assume the worst possible stories about them. We go to the worst common denominator about them. They are the most evil kinds of people. And this is what he was doing. This is what this spirit does in us. When someone different than us shows up on your row, and they're obviously different than you. They have a different skin color. They're a different gender. They're different clothing, different whatever, different accent. We cannot believe the worst about them. And this is what happened. This is what Jesus is pointing out. He believed the worst and he refused to call him brother. 
when this son of yours, I can hear the dad go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's your brother. That's your younger brother, the one you beat up all the time, the one that you wrestle with, the one you played sports with. This is your brother. But notice that the older brother doesn't want anything to do with him, that he squandered everything on prostitutes. That son of yours. But the problem is Jesus said through Paul that we're called to gently restore them. So what does that mean? I'm gonna give you some practical things today. And I appreciate it, first of all, after 14 years of pastoring you that you clapped when I gave you the two options. That means I've done something correct as your shepherd, your leader. But what is, I'm gonna give you some practical things because this is not my responsibility. It's your, our responsibility. It's yours and mine together. It's one thing to say, hey, we have a big staff at New Life. If somebody really messy shows up, Pastor Glenn will meet with them. He'll straighten them out. And then when they sit on my row, they'll be all straightened out. No, this is actually your assignment. And this is why it's important to come to church. It's important to come to church. And I'm going to tell you this in just a moment. Why? Okay, but here's the first thing. What does it mean to gently restore someone? Number one, we listen to them. The, the, what, one of the greatest ways to... To, to bring, give someone back their dignity. One of the greatest ways to restore someone's humanity back to them is to sit and empathetically listen to them. You know, in some current research that just came out, you know that number one reason that people who don't know God refuse to come to church? One of the number one reasons. They, go, they feel like they're going to be judged. If they told you the truth about their life, here's what people believe about us at New Life Church right now. They believe if they came and sat in one of those gray padded chairs and leaned over next to you and told you everything they've done in the last two weeks, you would judge them. You would shun them. You would reject them. You would walk away from them. And they have enough empirical evidence to support their claims. They have enough stories to prove it. What if they came in and told you the, the, the worst thing? I'm talking about... You see, what we've done in, in, in the American church is we've categorized sins. You know, there's the sins of eating too much ice cream and there's the sins of hanging out with prostitutes. Like we categorize the cute sins. You know, the ones that, you know, that we sin, yeah, but God's okay with that. But those are some other sins that are not polite to talk about. The big ones, you know, the big sins. What happens if they confess to the big sins? To you, to you, tell you the big sins. I've heard them all, 25 years of pastoral ministry. I can promise you there's very little I've not heard. Worst, awful stuff. I'm accustomed to it, but what about you? What if they tell you that stuff first? What if they, it never gets to me? How will you respond? So let me tell you a story that happened in section 11. Several years ago, a man had carefully planned out how he was going to end his life. He, on a Sunday morning, he woke up, he wrote out his suicide note, and he was gonna drive out to a, a remote road that he knew had a steep cliff off the side, and he was gonna drive his pickup off the cliff to make it look like an accident so his family could get the uh, life insurance, but he was going out to take his life. On his way to take his own life, he sees a cross on the top of a big blue building off the freeway, and something compels him to come inside. He is sitting on the back row of section 11 on one Sunday morning. I'm here, I, I was here that Sunday morning. And we got up and said, hey, by the way, if you're here, turn right now and greet one another. And a woman walked over to him and greeted him and felt compelled 
to ask him what's going on in your life. And the guy, in a moment of honesty, tells her what he's about to do. And she wraps her arms around him, calls some people over. They pray over him. They, come, they, they love him. They put their arms around him. They made sure that when he got in the truck that day, that he had someone there. They, they actually had someone come and drive alongside him to make sure he went home. Listen, there is a guy alive today because someone had the courage to listen to him. See, I'm not talking about Sunday school stuff here. I'm talking about life and death stuff here today. We listen to them and then we encourage them. What she did, the woman did, not only heard her story, but she didn't judge him. She listened and then she encouraged him. And Romans 12 says that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of the ways that the Holy Spirit empowers his people to serve people around them, that's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are all about, is God's ability through the Holy Spirit for you to serve and bless people around you. That's a really simple way of describing that. So Romans 12 says one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is encouragement. You can go back and read that on your the whole list of spiritual gifts in Romans 12. But people with this particular gift, I have found over the years, can do two things well. All right, you want this gift? Here it is. You spot discouraged people and you make them feel valuable. You show them their value. That's what she did back there. She spotted someone who was so discouraged, so hopeless that they were ready to take their own life. That's hopelessness. That's the ultimate act of discouragement to take your own life. And so she saw that. She spotted it by the power of the Spirit and she made him see his value. That's the work of the Spirit. Listen, this is why we gather in the building. Yes, you could all stay at home today and I could stand in front of the camera and give you a nice little pep talk and we could have all done our thing. That's not the church though. The church is a gathering of God's people to do the work that God's up to among that group of people. That's what's happening in this room. That's why you can't sit at home. Come to the building, be in the group, go to your small group, get involved in those smaller section communities so that you can see the work of God through you to other people. And then here's the last thing. So we listen to them, we encourage them, and we walk with them. Well, Pastor Brady, what does that mean? We walk with them. We include, it's the idea of including people and including people in our lives is the only way for them to be restored. It's one thing for her to say, hey, I hope that works out for you. God bless you. Hope you find a good counselor. You know what happened with the weeks after that? This guy kept coming back to church. Kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And that lady that was sitting in the back of section 11 kept walking with him. We walk with them we're, and, and they were gentle. She was gentle, she wasn't judgmental. So you have that choice, you're gonna be gentle or judgmental. That's the choice you have to make in that moment of time. And we're gentle with broken people because that's how Jesus handled us. Do you remember that? Nobody is sitting in this room because you were judged into salvation. I was so judged that I decided to follow Jesus. It was the judgment of Jesus that drove me to salvation. That was the kindness of God that led you to salvation. It was the gracious nature of Jesus that welcomed you out of your sin into light. That's what calls us to Jesus. So that's the way God's people should behave then, right? So we're gentle because Jesus is gentle with us. 
Let me show you one more passage of scripture, Psalm 68. This wrecks me when I hear this, it, but it also sharpens me, it centers me for what, uh, to my calling here in the church. A father to the fatherless, Psalm 68. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God in his holy dwelling. And listen to this. And God sets the lonely into families. He walks with them. God walks with you until you're placed, till you're set, till you're established in a family. Because right now in our culture, the most vulnerable people in our world are the fatherless. In fact, our, our, our correctional institutions are full of single parent homes right now. You ask any of the prisoners, any of the inmates that are watching today, what happened in your life because it, almost all of them have a story of a broken home. Almost all of them, fatherlessness. And widows are especially vulnerable. And the lonely, we have a pandemic of loneliness right now in, in, in our world. More people disconnected, more people living apart, single people who've never been married. They're outside the realms of their normal relationships. They feel alone. So what is, what's our call as a church? We walk with them until they're set in family. And it might be your family. It might be your dinner table. It might be your house that you need to invite them into. But we walk with them until they're set in family. And here's why. This is the word the Lord gave me. This is, I'm gonna wrap the message up with this. The word the Lord gave me this week is he, I said, why do I feel such a burden for this message? Why do I feel so compelled to, to be so aggressive with you and charge you into this? Because hope right now is belonging to a community whose center is Jesus. This is what the world's looking for. They're looking for hope. And that hope can only be found in a community of people who have made up their mind to make Jesus the center of their lives. We just sang this, we prayed this. Pastor Glenn led us in that prayer. Jesus, you're the center. Jesus, you're on the throne. Our eyes, our attention, our worship, our resources are all gathered around that throne. And collectively, we've made up our mind that Jesus is the center of it all. He is enough. He's over all. He is enough. And that's where hope is found when you find that group of people who have focused their eyes on Jesus, that's where hope is found. Listen, New Life Church, every empty seat that you see next to you is about to be filled. In Jesus' name, it's just gonna happen. Not by clever marketing, by the work of the Spirit. How, how many of you will agree with me that if Jesus sends us broken people, we, as the body of Christ, will take care of them. We will walk with them. We will listen to them. We will encourage them and we will walk with them until they are set in family. Yes. Would you stand up with me this morning? Stand up with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to make a decision this morning. I asked you earlier to make a decision. What kind of church will we be? And I'm gonna ask you to make a more personal decision today. Will you be available? I never really got to know the lady in the back of section 11. She may be sitting back there today. I met her a couple of times, but I never had a relationship other than that, just getting to know her a bit. But what I was so, I was so profoundly moved that that morning that she had made herself available. And I don't know what was going on in her life at that moment. I'm sure there was a lot of reason to not go over and engage with an obviously distraught man. This man was distraught. 
He was on his way to end his life. He obviously, you could see it on his face, something was wrong. But she made a decision to get out of her comfortable place and go over and ask a question. And it saved his life. On another Sunday, not many years after that, I was standing here on an Easter Sunday morning, right here, right in this very spot. And at the time we had steps on the front of the, of the, of the stage here. And at the end of the message on Easter Sunday, all of a sudden, suddenly, this guy in a black trench coat, dark hair, dark circles under his eyes, had walked up suddenly on the stage and got right close to me and reached inside his black trench coat, reaching for something. Now we'd had some violence on our campus before that, and that's an alarming thing when someone runs up on the stage and reaches into a dark trench coat right in front of me. But he does, and nothing I can do. I'm standing here, you know, like this is a good way to go. Easter Sunday in front of the whole church. That's a great funeral for everybody. And he reaches inside his trench coat and he pulls out a satanic pentagram, rips it off his neck, and he hands it to me. He says, Pastor Brady, I, I'm a part of a local satanic cult. I've never heard about Jesus until today. I'd never really heard the story. I came here to mock you. Instead, I, something happened to me when you preached and told me about Jesus. Now, I'm not exaggerating this story. He said, Pastor Brady, I don't know what just happened to me. I just gotta know more. And he wanted me to pray for him. And when I hugged him, he smelled like cigarettes and bourbon out of every pore of his body. Don't ask me how I know those smells. I just have come from a very dark place. I know what they smell like. And it's like hugging a big pile of cigarettes and bourbon. And he, that afternoon, he asked us, he said, I have a house full of this stuff and I wanna get rid of it, it's darkness. And one of our pastors went and got a 55 gallon barrel and a big, he had a big goat head that they used for some ritual. We burned it up right over by the tent. There was like this big thing of black smoke going up from our, our parking lot that after he burned all of his satanic worship materials and, burnt, and came, to the, came to the Lord, we baptized him. So we baptized him, we baptized his estranged wife, their marriage was salvaged. Their, their little daughter, nine-year-old little girl, she, she came to Christ, they sat right there in section 12 for years and years and years until the Lord moved him to another town. But he sat right there, I saw him every Sunday, and it was a reminder to me that if we will be a hospital for sinners, the Lord will send broken people to us. I, I'm telling you, I told you two very extreme stories. But the normal thing is normal people are broken too. And they just need people to love them. So I'm asking you today, would you make yourself available to that? And if you will, you don't have to, but if you want, just turn your hands toward the Lord and say, Father, I'm available. I'm not an expert. I'm not a counselor maybe. I'm not, I'm not even, I feel totally unprepared for what I'm saying yes to, but would you just say, Lord, if you will give me the ability and give me the opportunity, I will say yes. I will be your hands and your feet. I will be your hands and your feet. I will be your witness. I will be the carrier of grace to people who need grace. I will be, I will bear one another's burdens. I may not be able to give them answers, but I can carry their burdens. I can share their experience. I can listen to them. I can encourage them. And I can walk with them until they're set in a family. The Father in heaven, that's who we are as a church. Would you send us people now that need that? A whole world that needs that.
and we'll carefully steward them, we'll carefully guard them, we will love them, we will not judge them, we will tell them the truth, but we will love them. And we will disciple them. And we thank you for that privilege, the joy, the opportunity that you're about to give us. And we ask this now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's just keep our hands lifted in worship. Let's sing this song together. Let our hearts love what Jesus loves. Let our eyes turn toward the things that Jesus cares about. And in just a few minutes, Pastor Glenn's gonna come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Let's worship together.
God who reigns forevermore. But the great mystery of the gospel is that the one who reigns on the throne, the one who reigns is the lamb who was slain. The one who gave his life for you and for me. And as you're taking these communion elements with you this morning and opening up the cracker on the top and the juice in the bottom, this is meant to be a symbol, a reminder to us of a great feast that's coming. Now I know this little cracker and this little bit of juice, not much of a feast now, but we're reminded of that feast that we're waiting for, that Pastor Brady spoke about, the feast for both sons to come into the Father's house, for all of the Lord's lost sons and daughters to come home. And even as we take and receive this communion this morning, I wanna invite us to repent. You know, the best way to make sure that we don't become the older brother is to keep our hearts soft, is to remember our own need for the grace of God. So would you take a moment right where you are and just begin to say, Lord, I repent. I turn away from my own way. I turn away from that path of destruction and I turn towards you. I don't want to be the Lord of my life. I turn towards you. Take a few moments. Repent. We turn. We turn away and we turn toward you. And now as we hold this bread and this cup in our hands, we remember that on the night that Jesus was handed over to suffering and death, he took bread. And when he had blessed it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's receive now the bread. And after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine and when he'd given thanks to the Father, he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let's receive the cup now. Now let's just begin to lift our voices in thanksgiving and gratitude. Jesus, the Redeemer, the Lamb who was slain, who now reigns forever on the throne. He alone is the majesty. as we're closing the service this morning, I want to give us a few practical ways to live out what Pastor Brady has just charged us with. For, for all of you here who are looking for ways to belong, and you're like, look, I, I'm just sort of new to the church. I want to belong. I want to be set in family here at New Life Church. Where do I start? Out in the lobby, we've got a place called Connect Central. We'd love to invite you to come there and meet some of our team and meet some of the volunteers that serve and find a way that you can belong here at New Life. 
And then secondly, this Tuesday night is Women's Night Out. All you women in the church are welcome to come here for a time of worship and ministry, prophetic words, encouragement. We heard about the need today for the need to be seen and be encouraged. This is a chance for you on Tuesday night. And, and the night starts at 6.30, but at 6 o'clock, there's Chick-fil-A dinner, so you don't even have to cook. Come and have Chick-fil-A and then receive encouragement. That's this Tuesday night. And then right now, this Sunday morning, we've got section communities. So if you're sitting in one of these sections today, 4 and 5 or section 12, this is your lucky Sunday. You won the lottery. Section 12 is excited about it. Coffee and donuts after church. Meet with them. This is a chance to not rush out of here, but really become part of the family of God here. Now, listen, friends, some of you are here and you're like, I haven't found my way home. I've been away for a while. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come and stand up here in the front. These are your brothers and sisters ready to welcome you home. And maybe throughout the service today, something's been tugging at your heart and you're saying, I don't know, maybe should I? I haven't. I don't know. Where do I start? This is a moment. This is a place to mark a new beginning, to mark new life in Jesus Christ. Amen. And then come back next Sunday and get baptized at both the 9 and 11 water baptism next Sunday. But it starts today. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to send you out. But some of you need to actually not be sent out, but come back, come forward, and come and mark a new beginning today. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for the way that you restore us gently, the way that you redeem us by your own body and blood. And I pray now for my brothers and my sisters that you would keep forming us as a family of God here at New Life Church. And keep our hearts soft towards you so that we can always be ready to add to this family. So send us out now as carriers of this grace, of this good news, and bring us back with more siblings to rejoice together. We bless your name, Jesus. You alone are worthy of it all. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go church in Jesus' name. We bless you. Amen.